0: Hi and welcome to That We May See. I'm Joel. I'm James. And I'm Jeff. So we thought that we'd have a slight change of plan. Today we're going to be looking at the Bible and its relevance to us today.
1: We found that definitely as young people over lockdown that when there are no assembly gatherings or assembly activities that we are very independent or have to be independent with our Bible study, our personal reading, and this topic is so relevant to young people and to older people as well, so hopefully it'll be an encouragement to everyone and also you'll be able to learn some things on the way as well.
2: Yeah, and it's something we discussed in episode 3, wasn't it? And that's yes. why we've, it's led us to look at this, because we would think about lockdown, how difficult it was to, to get to the, to the Bible without the assembly to help us along the way, and so we just wanted to discuss it from that standpoint.
0: One of the things that we learned after lockdown was that we really were challenged on what we were depending on. And after lockdown, we've obviously understood the importance of uh, daily Bible reading. And obviously, we face the challenge of having to do that on a daily basis throughout lockdown, something that I personally found particularly difficult.
1: No, I found that too. I found, especially with assembly activities restarting, that there are greater responsibilities that young people now have to resume. For example, just for young men to. Uh, give thanks on the lord's day or taking gospel meetings again or taking meetings or open air starting back up for us here at home and so really we have to get back into the swing of things and to really get to know our bible and sometimes actually pick up where we actually left off
0: yeah and i suppose one of the challenges that we would find is as we are returning back to the assembly gatherings in person am i in a better off or a worse off position than what it was when we stopped doing those things.
1: That's really interesting actually because you would have thought at when you have university canceled, many jobs furloughed, where there is just isolation period, that that would be the time where you could get alone with your Bible to study it deeply. That is the time when you actually find that you make yourself busy and actually end up not having time with God on your own. I think definitely a subject that is so vast uh, we, we knew very early on that we would not be able to cover this on our own, from our own self-experience. Uh, so this is going to be a very interesting and informative podcast because we actually have our first guest on the podcast, Josh Jacob, a.k.a. my dad. How
3: are you doing today, Josh? Very well, thank you. And thank you for having me on your podcast. This is something totally novel for me. So just to uh, by way of introduction, I thought we will just read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Uh, This is Paul writing to Timothy, a young man in the faith and one who has been familiar with the scriptures. And it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Just to break the ice on a lighter note, I heard recently someone say on the radio that during your lifetime, you would eat at least 150 cows and 5,000 chickens and something like 300 pigs in the form of bacon and ham. You'd consume something like 26 acres of vegetables and something like 50 acres of fruit in your lifetime. Now, you boys are young and I've almost hit half a century. But the word of God tells us, and these are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ who said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So apart from eating, and that we've done a good bit of during this lockdown, and I've piled on the pounds, I think perhaps we need to just tuck in to the word of God And spend significant time. This passage was written at a time when Paul was conscious of the fact that the Bible was being attacked. The leather-bound Bible that you have on your laps did not descend freely. It was God's heart revealing it to your heart and it comes through various stages. There was revelation. God reveals himself in various ways. He's not that blind celestial watchmaker that put the watch on the production line and then set it off in time and motion totally oblivious of what is happening to man. God gave us his word both the Old Testament and the New Testament so that it is so applicable for us and so not only do we have revelation this passage that we read talks about inspiration of the scriptures and we'll come to that as the talk goes on. It also talks about inscripturation that was actually written down Step number four, preservation. How did God preserve his word? Written by something like 40 different people over a span of 1500 years. It had to stand the test of time. The modernist here wants to consider that the word of God is defunct, of no use. The atheist has always denied the word of God. The cultists, they are persistently distorting the word of God and the liberal theologian trying to dissect it but all scripture here is given by the inspiration of god and is profitable for doctrine that means what is right to rebuke us to tell us what is not right for correction to help us get right and for instruction in righteousness and that is to stay right
1: no i think that's really helpful actually for us as young people to know Maybe when we're just growing up in a Christian family, we've just always had a Bible in our hands, Bible on a shelf, Bible read to us. But to know the stages that God has ensured, the Word of God to be written down, to be in, to give the inspiration to his disciples, to his apostles, those in the Old Testament and the prophets. How it has been preserved and stood the test of time. It's been banned, it's been burned, it's been loved and hated at the same time and yet... We, all four of us here, have the ability to open the Word of God, to read it, to study it for ourselves.
0: Yeah, that's, that's right. And I think, Josh, you put out a really good point, the fact that um the atheists and different types of people that are opposed to the Bible have they've sought to really do away with it. I remember listening one time to um Ricky Gervais, and he's like a militant atheist and, and kind of hates God. He His argument was this, that if you take away all the bibles that were ever made every single one of them if you took away the word of god and you took away every single biology book chemistry book physics book every single one of them so that there were no books in the world eventually the physics the biology and the chemistry of books would resurface because they're here present and you can see them there would be no bibles resurfacing and so I think from that argument, he's absolutely missed the point altogether that you can't get rid of the word of God. It says in in the Bible that the word of the Lord endureth forever. So the hypothetical situation that he
2: proposed is irrelevant. It it doesn't make any sense because it can't happen. Mm. And also the fact that it's God-given. So obviously the, all those books would have reappeared in 100 years' time because it's scientists seeing the world around them and then you know coming up with the books again. But this is the fact that God has given a book to man. And that's what obviously sets it apart from every other book.
3: Interesting you mentioned physics, because there was a man called Herbert Spence in 1903 who introduced the elements of physics, and for which I think he was awarded the Nobel Prize. I might be wrong on that. But he said, essentially, everything can be boiled down to five elements. And that is time, force, action, space, and matter. And guess what? The very first verse in the Bible confirms that. In the beginning, that's time. God, that's force. Created, that's action. The heavens, that's space. And the earth, that's matter. The Bible doesn't have to be proven to be a scientific book but it has never disproved the established laws of science. And so while man is discovering laws of science, those laws have been constant And God himself had set them in motion. So, I mean, in the field that I work in, which is in the field of medicine, my colleagues are basically arch-atheists. And the best way to drill down the message of the Bible is to actually live it out. And keep a Bible on your lap, or keep a Bible on your office. Keep a Bible uh, when you carry it to university. Let them know that this is the book that you're going to be guided by for the rest of your life. Uh, as it has it been said, the Bible, you read it, but ultimately it has to read you. God gave the Bible to us, but the consistency is that we come to the Bible daily in our quiet time and spend significant time allowing it to be part and parcel of our existence.
0: Like, as you've said, there's a whole wealth of purpose for the, the Bible being written, that obviously we might read it and apply it to our personal lives. Uh, and for the outreach of the gospel as well. But what does it say about God, the fact that we have it here today?
3: Essentially, God always wanted to reveal himself to us. He's revealed himself at creation. He's revealed himself through the cross. He's revealed himself through the canonization of scripture, how the Bible has come together in such a marvelous way. And finally, the conclusion of the whole matter is that we will be ultimately brought to him in a coming day, having established his word, the Old Testament and the New Testament, the sages of the ages that have written the Bible in the Old Testament, and the New Testament, which is confirmed by the Lord Jesus Christ and the apostles. The Lord himself said, the Holy Spirit shall call your mind to remembrance. So essentially, The apostles were using the Old Testament. There are at least 320 direct Old Testament references in the New Testament and at least 4,000 indirect references in the New Testament from the Old Testament. So the Bible is one whole package and God's intent was to reveal his heart to
0: mankind. In light of that then, one of my colleagues at work the other day uh, simply said to me that he had difficulty believing the truth of the Bible and the gospel message, on the basis that the Bible was quote, written 2000 years ago, it's 2000 years old. What would be a suitable response to that sort of thing?
3: We can approach it in various ways, but one of the layers I would approach it is the Bible can be tested scientifically, historically, prophetically, and ultimately personally. The the historic aspect of the Bible is such that there are at least 5,000 extant manuscripts if you go down to London at the British History Museum. There are more than 30,000 manuscripts of the New Testament, again located at the British History Museum. Any other book of that vintage would not have this many copies available. As you know very well, Caesar's Gaelic Wars have only about 10 at the best. Homer's Iliad, which was written actually in 1000 AD, has again less than 20. And yet, many of the universities in the English literature courses read on Caesar's Gaelic Wars and Homer's Iliad and have actually jettisoned the word of God and said it's not true. And that is because they cannot afford to allow a divine book written by a divine author and allowing at least 40 different people inspired at various stages of their life to pen the word of God in such a palpable real way because it reads man's heart. And the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. And man's willful obstinacy to reject the Bible is because it exposes the darkness of the three-letter word, S-I-N.
0: You said really well that the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. And we heard in the preaching of the gospel recently that the Bible is very much like a mirror you you open it up and you read it and it reflects the truth about yourself and i think in lockdown people have been able to reflect a lot on themselves but they may have come to conclusions about themselves that aren't true and that's always going to be the case if the bible is not involved and i think one of the things that we know to be true about the bible is that it reveals the truth about the individual that there is a sinful nature that every person has and only christ can deal with that
2: so obviously if the if the word of god the bible is such a rejected book to so in this world to so many people it's regarded as nothing obviously to the christian whether young or old it should be everything it should be the you know as josh has said it should be the food that we eat every day and um thinking of of lockdown thinking of what we've been through recently i guess we've We've discussed how it's a problem for us that we sometimes miss if you like a meal if we we miss reading the Word of God for a few days and we're malnourished spiritually and I guess' it's the temptation is is to just keep going in that but obviously in the in a in a physical realm, if we missed a meal, if we missed a few days of eating you know you don't hang yourself up about that you actually eat just eat more next time
1: you know I think that's what you were touching on in a previous episode where we have found that when we do go without. The Bible, or where we do go without prayer for a day or for a two, in the same way as missing an actual physical meal, you actually you actually feel the implications of missing out from reading of the Word of God. Especially with meetings coming back and commencing again, you actually come to a breaking of bread and actually could feel sp- spiritually starved because you have not saturated in the Word of God and not allowed the Word of God to do a work in you and through you. And coming to the breaking of bread with nothing is actually one of the worst feelings for a young man.
0: Mm certainly uh, that's something that i've to my shame found during lockdown that there has been at times neglect of of the word of god and sadly that sort of a thing can gather momentum like you miss it one day and then you miss it a second and then it's all too easy to miss the third as well not to focus on the word but i remember um a word that charles spurgeon used in the context of backsliding. Christians often view someone backsliding as committing this awful sin and it's so public, it's shameful. But Charles Spurgeon brought out the truth that if you forget to have your reading on one day, that's it, you've backslidden. Like, that is a challenge to you. And that's something that I've obviously had to challenge myself and had to face during lockdown.
2: That's
3: a great point, Joel. Um, It is very easy and tempting for young men, and I've been there, done that, so I can... I can very much relate to the sentiments of young people that we can read the Bible mechanically, theoretically, with a view that we are perhaps going to be helping in a Bible reading. And so you're searching for the tenses and the meaning and the Greek word and how it aligns with scriptures, or perhaps for a gospel meeting, and so on and so forth. And ultimately, it is satisfying the flesh and being able to project ourselves in better light. But we know better. Be not deceived, says Paul. God is not mocked. And I found it very helpful earlier on in my Christian life through a missionary who told me, if you can look at it as if this appointment that you have every day with God, when you get up in the morning, and if you don't do it, you've actually really let him down. There's no scriptural backing for this. But if you view it, and this is how I found myself to actually, when you get up in the morning, drop your knees by your bedside. First thing, before reading the word of God, actually pray. It can take only five minutes. Prayer is very, very debilitating for us as a habit. Sometimes you find it so difficult to pray. But actually, if you prepare your heart in quietness just to pray for five minutes and ask the Lord, okay, I'm going to open your scriptures, it doesn't have to be an extensive reading, but enough to get some little morsel, handfuls of purpose, as says the book of Ruth, for us to sustain ourselves for the rest of the day. Because that world is a defiling world. And if we do not saturate ourselves with the scriptures we will come home defiled feeling very much impure and then we have to obviously sift through more and more of the word of God to get past the defilement so rather than reading it mechanically if you can actually picture it in your own heart and soul and mind that the Lord is waiting for me this morning I can't keep him waiting that will avoid us procrastinating and leaving the home unread and unprepared
0: to face another day You've made some like, really good points there. Um, the last thing you said reminded me of, oh, I, can't, I wish I remembered who said it, but there is a God that is waiting for me to wake up in the morning. He's waiting for me to wake up and he's eager for me to wake up and to, to see how I start the day. And I can only imagine the times so I've disappointed him in that. But it's interesting also that you talk about how it is possible to read the Bible to, to satisfy the flesh. We need to read it with a pure heart uh, and with an open mind as well. One of the things that I found in my experience is that I find it a lot harder to pray consistently than to read the word consistently. And I think the reason is this, sadly, that it is possible to read the word of God in the name of satisfying the flesh. But with private prayer, you can't. You can't because it's just you and God and he sees through it all. And that's something that i found particularly challenging.
1: No, I remember in a, a conference in Vista in where the preacher was building up the messages on the secret Christian life. And he's, at the outset he was saying, I'm going to explain to you the secret to the Christian life. And in the end he closed that the secret to the Christian life is the secret Christian life. And it's the things that we do in secret, and in particular prayer. The Christian can be characterized, or the health of a Christian is characterized by the health of his prayer life. And actually what you were saying, Joel, about backsliding is really important because if we could build up like a sensitivity to that, that I actually have backslidden at any occasion where I haven't moved forward. And when I'm not reading and when I'm not praying on a daily and a consistent basis, I'm actually not moving forward. I'm actually stagnant, if not moving back and retreating. So that is backsliding. And I found, especially at university, when you're full of people who, like we have said, actually hate the word of God, that we're tested even more that we need to actively be pursuing our Bible and be pursuing to having a relationship with God. Oftentimes we think it's just that one way for we are meant to have the relationship with God, but actually it's God also that wants to have a relationship with us and we can view it in that way.
2: If it's tempting in the morning when you're reading your Bible and praying to appeal to the flesh, how is it, Josh, did you have any advice on how it is that we can then steer away from that and make it about a relationship with God in the morning? I mean, I can
3: only say on a personal level, after a certain age you really you realize that you have ver- various ministries and appointments to take uh, in the sense to prepare so it's very difficult to divorce one from the other but i personally leave the morning exclusively for my quiet time with the lord and perhaps allocate another time the rest of the day for anything else so but as young men i think you have little more time on your hands to be able to devote exclusively your Bible, a little notepad and making personal notes on what you recognize about the person of Christ, what the Holy Spirit is revealing to you, what you can filter and glean about the character of God and then something more in a practical way. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, says the psalmist, by taking heed thereunto, according to thy word. So that's not reading God's word, it's not getting the latest Bible software it's not getting to going to the lexicon it's actually just sticking to the scripture and heeding it rather than reading it so just on a personal advice nothing like a hard copy bible rather than reading it from an electronic format because it's very tempting to get that diluted with other things that might pop up in in, in between reading the word of god and so if you keep all electronic devices separate and confine even if it's 15 minutes confine that exclusively as a divine appointment. It's his appointment. You wouldn't want to uh, violate your appointment with your dean of the university. How much more with the divine God himself.
0: One thing that I heard at a, at a conference that is very much synonymous of what you've just said is that, I think it's a quote from Corrie ten Boom, but it's not a direct quote by any means, but she advised making appointments with God and sticking to them While it's, while it's perfectly acceptable, just... To off the cuff pray to the Lord, actually setting times of the day um, to do that—that's also something that's very good as well.
1: And that's something that I've actually found out since being in a relationship. The way that people actually study the Bible very differently to the way that I've always approached my Bible, in the sense that what you were saying is very true. That I think maybe maybe this is a generalization that as young men we sometimes do approach it from this is study. And I want to understand and I want to get to the root interpretations of Scripture. And we have our commentaries and our software out. And actually, when starting with my fiancée, I had actually totally neglected the personal relationship with God. And that's something that she had so much stronger than me. That she actually wanted to know what is the will of God in my life. She wanted to get to know God better and in a more stronger way as a Christian. And she wanted a verse to help her throughout the week. What I was actually looking for... What is it that can I do to fill my knowledge of the of that chapter, the knowledge of that verse, to build up my knowledge in different areas? So we actually, as young men as well and young women, should be seeking to know the mind of God and know the character of God in a deeper and better way.
2: Yeah, from the verse that was read at the start, two Timothy three, sixteen. I guess a lot of the time we're tempted to focus on all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, and we fill our minds with with doctrine. What what is, um, what is right? And, and focusing on that and actually we would neglect the other three what is not right mm. so in the mornings uh, a long time ago when i was at a camp one of the the speakers he he gave me the four he gave me these four points and and just said when you're reading your bible you know we've already said note down what's right what what is what is about christ here what's about god here he says what is what is not right is there something in my life that i'm doing at the moment that isn't right and that the bible in in reading the scriptures have actually shown me what isn't right in my life and then how to get right this is there some Hint in the in the word of God that I'm reading, whether it's a gospel, whether I'm in the Old Testament or Psalm, is there something that's going to help me get right? Mm. And then obviously, in uh, there's a there's points to to glean when you're reading, no matter how many verses about how to stay right.
0: Yeah. That's a really great point you've brought out. Obviously, there's massive wealth um, of benefit for the individual when time personally is made and allocated to the reading of the word of God. But one of the things that I've learned, having heard it from my grandfather was that again as a teenager one of the things that I used to read the Bible for was purely for study as it were and for the building up of knowledge and immersing yourself in the word for that purpose but there's such a danger with that because knowledge that's not adhered to hardens the heart and then you're at danger of hardening your heart to the the things of the Lord and then you become deluded and You're just following a process instead of being proactive in a relationship. Another thing that I I learned while preparing for meetings is if what you're reading isn't benefiting you and isn't challenging you and encouraging you, then how can you expect it to have that effect on those that you're talking to about it?
3: Absolutely true. It has to become so personal and real. People can detect a fake a mile away and God is not interested in fakes. Uh, I noticed that uh, this is something I can't do, but um, Bobby, my wife, your mom, Jeff, she has a slightly different approach to it. And while she reads the Bible, she actually talks back to the Lord, writing it back to him. So she has a separate journal of writing not only her prayer down, but actually gleaning her thoughts and saying, Lord, this is what I've understood of you today. It's almost a two-way conversation, but it's something I think that's what makes it more personal. Now, the simple reason I don't do it is because I can't read my own writing. But if I could do that, I think that would be a useful way, a two-way dialogue, for me to appreciate what the Lord has revealed through His Word and relaying it back to Him. There's nothing more exalting than an individual telling God about his Son. That's exactly what uh, we read in the Old Testament. Go tell my father of all my glory, talking about Joseph
1: uh, to Jacob. That, that is something that I've learned so much from Mum. The, the way that she approaches her study and her prayer is direct conversation. And she'll have in her journal the, her prayers and the date that they were answered. Such such the relationship that, the, that she has with God that she's gleaning so much from, from him. And when she's praying, when you see her on, your, on her knees, praying out loud in that way, having an actual conversation with him. But what actually really interested me about this verse is just the first two words, it's all scripture. Very often I find myself gravitating to a certain part of the scripture to get food. I know that in the beginning, in the outset, for a young Christian, we're gravitated towards the gospels and we want to soak ourselves in that. And and that is so true. But I think it's good also to get a a breath and a width in the word of God. And so that was why, like, study plans and bible study plans when you're actually getting it from all sections of the bible you can actually have such a wealth of knowledge from all of it instead of gravitating to just one particular section
0: that's really true i want to kind of linger a little bit just so i can make this comment on what you've both talked about obviously about um your wife josh and and your mum jeff i think the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree because my wife is very much the same i remember sometimes i might be very infrequently tidying up uh, my living space and there will be like this book and i'll just flick through it to see what it is and there will just be written out prayers um written out things of, of the mind directed to the lord and that's something that i don't do that and mm. it's, it's not a bad thing if you don't do that but i just think it just gives you a really good insight but while we're talking about other people and, and relationships just maybe one point. One thing that I have really learned since marriage um, is the importance of relationship with God and I think having obviously an intimate relationship with another human being is only just that's just a small insight into the intimate relationship that we can have with God if we can have it with another human being we can certainly have it with our creator God I mean, if you look at
1: the hours that you put into a a human relationship, to a marriage, to a courtship, you look at the struggles that you go through, the need for communication, concise communication, the the need for loyalty and devotion, and all of that is so true when we're approaching our relationship with God. How can we expect to have a strength in our relationship with Him when we're not actually putting the same amount of strength and the same, same amount of hours as we would in an earthly relationship?
2: Yeah, so on the subject of writing things down it, it, to, like, maintain the relationship and track where your relationship is, um, Elizabeth Elliot and Jim Elliot both were big journalists. And um, Elizabeth Elliot, she used to write in the front of her journals a, a verse in Exodus. And it was um, it's the verse about when Moses was commanded to fill a gnomah uh, and to, to fill a of the manor and take it into the ark. And it was the idea that the manna that they were collecting for 40 years, God wanted to t- them to take a little bit of it so that they'd always remember what God had fed them while in the wilderness. And her idea while she was journaling is, as she was writing these things down every day, what she'd learned of Christ, what her prayers were, she was writing down what God was feeding her every day. And so when she felt discouraged, she could look back at her journal and see this this is the bread that God had fed her every day while going through her life. And the the benefit of writing things down I know that Joel and Jeff aren't big on it but in terms of writing it down it's to, you can look back on it and see actually this is what God fed me on that day and then and, and track the relationship as, as you're going through.
3: Interesting, you said about Jim Elliot you know, there was a time when he was at Wheaton College before he went to the Alka Indians where he actually slackened in his studies and um, his parents actually questioned him and said you know, we've sent you to college to study, I think he was studying theology, but he said his reply was, um, I'm earning a degree called AUG, approved unto God. So while his theology had diminished, uh, his study of the word of God uh, intimately had taken an exponential rise. And so obviously that played a huge role in him going to the Alka Indians and ultimately laying his life down for the extension of the gospel.
1: I mean, if you look back to the the manna and the picture of the manna, where he sees that which was sustaining and gave strength to the children of Israel. The instructions that was given to the children of Israel that it was to be every morning and it was for every man and every day. And so such is actually when we approach the word of God, that which sustains us, such, that which strengthens us. That same instruction applies to us. It is every man, every everyone, every morning. I think if we could get into the habit of that as well, something that I've tried to force myself to do over lockdown and every day to have a consistency in what we're we're reading and what we're feeding on. Because if you remember with the manna, they couldn't use yesterday's manna for tomorrow. It would go stale, it would go old. And we can't be relying on that which we've learned previously, that which we already know about God
0: and this word of God. We need to have something fresh and something new every single day. I think just on that note, the the use of manna, I think one of the things that was required of the children of Israel was their hunger. It was not something to be refused. They actually needed that. But I think one of the responsibilities that we have is that we need to understand that one that we need it, but we should have a hunger for the word of God as well. I think what I want, one thing that I think is important is there are many things that can keep us from the word of
1: God, and I think one of the big things for me is my time is such an important thing that I've had to learn to manage. And Joel, you'll know this well with work and with married life, and Dad as well with leaving so early, coming back so home so late. How is it as we as Christians and young Christians especially? Can learn to manage our time, compartmentalize our day, so that we give the word of God and God the predominant and preeminent time in our day.
3: I think time management uh, is often used as an excuse. God knew very well that we only needed 24 hours in a day, and uh, we don't need to extend that time frame itself. It's basically how we allocate and, as you say, compartmentalize. I would suggest on a practical note, actually taking the Bible with you and spending time, if you can't afford the time at home, to actually take it to your university, to your place of work and open the Word of God and read it. Actually, the people will be you'll be amazed how people will actually notice that and see that you're engrossed in it. On a personal note, people actually communicate through me by leaving slips of um, paper in my Bible at, in my office rather than sending me an email because they know I might delete an email, <laughs> but that Bible will invariably get open sometime during the day. So I think it's a huge testimony. It's a way of attracting other people to engage in a conversation. It's a definite conversation starter. Also, it can be a conversation stunter sometimes where people actually keep away from you. But so what? You keep your testimony intact.
0: I think another thing that I found uh, really helpful is something that you touched on earlier on in the episode, Josh, the um, utilisation of the morning. I think we read often in the Old Testament that certain characters, they would wake up early in the morning. I mean, even if you look at the life of Christ, the number of times in the gospel you hear early in the morning
1: or the time that he was alone in solitude, and I think that is such an important thing, that, especially over lockdown where we're not really leaving the house and we're with each other and our families all day that there should be that one space that we can have to go on our own just to be alone with the Word of God. I think I remember another thing, whilst time can be a thing that keeps us away from the Word of God, I remember really keenly a a Bible reading where the preacher said that when he got his first study Bible, he wrote at the top of the Bible Bible that, that this book will keep me from sin, but sin will also keep me from this book. And that's also a really important thing for young people and for older people that to know that the word of God is there to correct us. It is there to, when we are straying, to guide us back in. And so I think that's an important thing that sin actually will keep us from the book and from the word of God. But we have to turn to God when we are in times like this so that it will redirect us and realign our path.
0: So we've really covered a lot of ground here. And so I think as we come to a conclusion, we would obviously just reiterate that The word of God is absolutely fundamental to our lives and is something that we should be pursuing on a daily basis with the view that our relationship with the Lord might ever be growing.
2: Mm-hmm. And seeing as this is a conversation that could just go on and on we want to continue this conversation in the another episode so we want to thank you very much josh for joining us and for your insights thank you it's been a, it's been a joy to to listen in and so thank you very much for joining us if you have any other questions or comments please email us using the emails in the description until next time thank you very much